This podcast is brought to you by the Ultimate Lettering Quiz. Find out just how much you really know about letters by taking the quiz for free on martinafraud.com slash quiz. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to another episode of Open Studio. I'm your host, Martina Flora, and in this show I have honest conversations with artists, designers, and creatives to uncover their stories and the specific tactics they use to build a successful career around their skills and the work they love doing. My guest today is Tandiwe Muriu. Tandiwe is a photographer born and raised in Nairobi, Kenya. As a female artist operating in a previously male-dominated field, she's passionate about celebrating and empowering her fellow women. In her Camo series, Tandiwe showcases Africa's unique mix of vibrant cultures, textiles, and beauty norms. Through her work, she celebrates her African heritage and tackles important issues such as identity and self-perception using the rich colors and vibrancy the continent is so well known for. Drawing inspiration from African textiles, everyday objects, and traditional hairstyles, Tandiwe explores how the individual can lose their identity to culture. In her work, she not only explores how, who she is as an artist, but also as a black woman. Full disclosure, if someone will ask me of all the episodes of this podcast, which one they shouldn't miss for sure, this is the one. The conversation that I got to have with Tandiwe was one of the most open, forward-looking, and insightful ones that I have had on this podcast. She shared every single piece of tactic and a strategy that got her where she is right now, thriving as an artist and commercial photographer. We touch on mentors and how to find them, getting clients and keeping them, contributing to, to the community through your work, and following your creative call. Whether you're an artist that is just starting or you are a creative that has been in the industry for a while, this episode will give you insights and tools that will stay with you forever. Enjoy this conversation with Tandiwe Muriu. Hi, Tandiwe. How are you doing today? Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you. I'm good. Excited to be here. Um, that the way I discovered your work through Malika Fav, she's a French illustrator and she was also a guest in this show. And what really caught my attention is that, you know, in contrast to what most artists do, that either they go on the fine art direction, working with galleries and, you know, selling their art and exhibiting their work, or they go in the commercial direction, you know, working for clients and having client assignments. You seem to have gained a space in both universes. And on one hand, you have this very personal work of yours that you do with your female portraits that, you know, celebrate the African heritage we will be talking about later on, um, which is, you know, exhibited in galleries worldwide. And on the other hand, is the work you do for commercial clients. So I normally like to start every podcast episode with a strong question that will probably lead to different, um, you know, different windows of conversation. Uh, and the question is, how does an artist, how does an artist nowadays create personal work, like the one you do with your portraits, while staying relevant and appealing to commercial clients that will pay for their work? That is a tough one. <laughs> um, 
I mean, I think it's, it's, it's full disclosure. It would be good to say I didn't intentionally plan and scheme to end up in this space. Mm. It kind of just naturally happened through the evolution of my story. Mm. Um, but I think the unifying factor between my commercial work and my personal work is a very strong visual aesthetic. Mm. So even before, cause I started off in commercials and then moved into doing personal work with galleries. Um, and I think there's some things throughout both worlds that are consistent. So like number one is my love for color. My commercial work was always more colorful uh, than I think the average person's. Mm. And so there was pieces of Tandiwe in, in both of them. Mm-hmm. And so I think then um, it's, I've created, you create an identity around just the kind of, for me, the kind of visuals that I create. And because it's about a visual identity, the messaging can change. So mm. maybe when it's my personal work, I'm speaking about empowering women, celebrating beauty, which are things I really love speaking about. But then you could easily take the same kind of visual recipe and turn it into advertising a pair of shoes with a cool print or yeah. advertising a bottle of water with a really colorful bottle, for example. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And how did it, did it happen that you said you meant, just mentioned that it, it happened sort of like by chance? So what was what was the the path or what was the story behind um, your your act your present as a as a photographer? So my father introduced me to photography when I was 14 years old, mm-hmm. and it was just instant chemistry. I I don't know if you've, if you've ever had the experience of interacting with something and just knowing, yep, this is for me. <laughs> and the moment the camera was put in my hands, I just knew this is, it's art. And mm. I had a very artistic family, but I never showed um, any artistic tendencies before this. And then it's science because I'm dealing with physics all day. It's all about light and mm. making manipulating light to create a mood in a field. And then computers, because I'm on computers all the time doing post-processing. Yeah. And somehow it was just the perfect fusion of these things that I loved doing. Um, and so all through, I was in high school. I just began high school at this point. Um, I was hungry to learn anything I could about photography. Mm. And I live and work to date in Nairobi, Kenya. And there's no photography schools. So mm. when I said I wanted to be a photographer, most people would tell me, ah, you want to do journalism? And I'm like, no, that's not the same thing. Um, because I was always sure from the beginning that while I appreciated photographers who tell, who capture a story, mm. I was very passionate about creating. Mm. And, and somehow for me, journalism didn't quite hit that desire. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister used to collect Vogue magazines and I would see all these elaborate sets, you know, and each month you don't know what shoot is going to come out. Is it she's going to be in space? Is it that she's going to be in a garden? Yeah. And I just love the idea of creating mm-hmm. a set. And so my first references, even without any exposure to formal photography education was, I know I'm a creator, not a recorder. Um, and so I would spend a lot of time, you know, creating all these elaborate sets with my sisters as my models, using my mother's bed sheets as backdrops because I was a very broke 14 year old. Um, and then I'd steal my mom's foil paper, you know, the one used for cooking. Yeah. And at this point I could only shoot outdoor because I had no lights. And so I would take the foil paper and use it as a reflector to bounce light onto my models. <laughs> so that, that was like my beginning in photography, but there was always this desire to just grow and learn and consume as much as I could about mm. photography. And 
never quite stopping to think um, the limitations that I had in my context. Yeah. And so even from back then, my work was very colorful. Mm -hmm. I always, I realized early on, I hated shooting on a white backdrop and I loved shooting on colored backdrops. And so at this point I had no backdrop, so I would look for painted walls, but my DNA was already showing. And, um, you know, over time I'd post pictures on Facebook and there's a photographer who reached out to me and said, oh, your work is so creative. Um, can we meet? And this is a photographer who was Kenyan and who was several years ahead in the journey from me. Mm. At this point, I didn't know I wanted to be a photographer. I just knew I love this and I'm spending any minute of free time I have doing this photography thing. Yeah. And I want to, you know, my dream was I want to do a Vogue cover. I want to do fashion photography. Um, and, and so I met this photographer and he began to teach me things about surviving and the business of photography that, you know, nobody else had told me. I didn't yeah. realize, oh, there's things like branding. Oh, there's things like, you know, um, how do you do an invoice? I mean, I didn't even know this. Um, I went to, I did a business degree in university because there's yeah. no photography degrees in Kenya. Because I thought, okay, this is something general that I, I can apply um, no matter what field I end up in in life. At the point I was in university, I had not decided to be a photographer professionally, mm -hmm. even if technically I was already. But at my formative stages, this photographer, um, he, he kind of guided me through the basic levels of surviving as an artist, which is different from the art side, mm. because it was very clear I was creative, but then I needed to figure out how to make this creativity help me make a living. Yeah. Um, and, and he introduced me to several other photographers who were just like doing groundbreaking stuff in the Kenyan industry. And one of the things they were doing is this thing called personal projects. Mm. And by the time I was, um, Probably my first year of university, I shot my first advertising campaign. It was for a cosmetics company. And I remember I was shaking the whole time on set because I was terrified. <laughs> um, but I had this photographer kind of help me through the process. Um, so I wasn't too lo lost. Um, but I, I had began to shoot campaigns and I thought, okay, whoa, I'm a commercial photographer. I finally made it in, in life. And I will be so fulfilled shooting these amazing briefs. And then I did it for a couple of years and I was like, this is fun. I love what I'm doing, but I'm not creatively fulfilled. Mm. And there's just there's something missing. Mm. And so I shared this frustration with this group of, of you know, three photographers. Um, by this point, we'd come together and formed um, kind of like a, what? We were represented by the same agency and we we're trying to do really groundbreaking stuff in the Kenyan photography industry. And I was a baby of the group. So they were all men, all older than me. And so I would, it was great for me because I, I got to learn all these amazing things from them, from the mistakes they made before I made the same mistakes. <laughs> um, but I mentioned this to one of the photographers and I said, you know, I'm just really struggling with feeling fulfilled as a creative. Mm -hmm. I, I love photography and I love picking up my camera, but I don't know, there's a disconnect that I've never felt before. And he said, well, have you tried personal projects? And I go, what's that? Like, what is a personal project? And he said, what's the craziest thing you can think of that you wanted to shoot just for yourself, not for anybody else? Yeah. And so, you know, I was like, well, you know, I kind of mentioned it. And he's like, well, shoot that. And that was a missing piece. Just realizing that there is room to create um, personal work where I'm in control of the messaging. Yeah. Because in commercial photography, what happens is 
I'm telling somebody else's story or passing on a message that they want to pass on and they will ask for my advice and I will infuse the Tandiru aesthetic into the messaging. Yeah. But it's not my message. But in my personal work, I get to talk about things that I want to and just because I want to. And that kind of filled the creative gap for me and started me off on the direction of going into galleries. So, yeah, and I want um, to go go deeper into this topic yeah. uh, in just a minute, just because you 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 touch on so many different things that I would love to to touch on, and I would like to yeah. go back to. Um, okay. First, you were mentioning that you were introduced to photography by your father. Later on, you mentioned this 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 character that was so important for you. That was this this. Um, this photographer that you met in, in Kenya who acted as a, a little bit of a mentor for you and explain, like introduced you to the business. So I want to go back first to, to the role of your father in this story, which is like in which way he introduced photography in your life. Was he a photographer himself or was it, you know, he was a, 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 it was a hobby for him or how was that story? It was a hobby for my dad. He is not a photographer. Mm -hmm. uh, he's in a field very far from photography. <laughs> But um, he used to take pictures when he was in university of weddings yeah. Yeah. to get money to take my mom out on dates because at that point they were dating. <laughs> <laughs> and so he was always a hobbyist and, and he's just very, when he gets into a hobby, he like goes deep into it. And so I think he wanted to introduce us to technology And photography was an easy way to do that and a fun way to do it because we yeah. were really young teenagers, my sisters and I. Um, and so he kind of taught us the basics of how camera works and the yeah. exposure triangle and then gave us a little bit of homework. And then I just never put the camera down after that. Oh, that's lovely. And, uh, and I was wondering because I think that many artists... You know, there's a lot of self-taught artists out there and they struggle with gaining that confidence that comes from, you know being in academia or having a degree in something, how did that work out for you uh, being a self-taught um, um, photographer? Because you mentioned that in Kenya, there's no, no official formal um, um, degree in photography. So how did that play a role in your own path as a photographer? Yeah, in Kenya, the closest you could get maybe is photojournalism, but there's nothing for fine art photography, commercial photography, mm -hmm. or just photography in general. There's no degree. Um, I didn't realize it was a problem. Again, yeah. maybe it was a blessing of being so young and so isolated from just the global market. Um, I never looked at, I don't have a degree. I looked at, okay, I want to be a photographer. What do I need to do to get there? Yeah. So that wasn't even a question I was asking myself. And it was only until I think years later, I came across this client who asked um, for my qualifications. Mm. I thought, oh, Oh, you mean people get degrees in this? <laughs> But it, it just for me, I think photography is one of, it's such a practical skill. It's like riding a bike. Yeah. You can read all the theory, but the real education comes when you just do it. Yeah. And so I just got down to doing it. Yeah. And I, I mean, it probably took me longer to learn. Some of the mistakes I made, I could have probably been saved from if I went to photography school. Mm. Um, But I just learned, I went on set, did something, it didn't work. Okay, let's go to Google. Why didn't that work? Oh, now I know something new and just continue to grow that way. 
And I think you you were so fortunate to have this role of a mentor because I even though for those that got formal education and went through all the technical details and all the technical knowledge, when they get into the the actual business of making money with their art and their skills, you know, they struggle because they don't know the the deeds of like making a living with with their art or their skills right and I was wondering how how did you get to know this this mentor because I know that there's a lot of artists out there looking for this um for this person but how do you get to connect with someone who is already in the industry and you also get them to tell you all of the this stuff which is you know it's such a precious information and many of them don't want to share it because you know otherwise you 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 become their competition i, I know that yeah. many many artists and many um designers and professionals out there think this way so i was wondering how how did that work out for you um I think I need to begin by saying mentorship and looking for mentors was a principle that I was taught growing up. And so mm. it was very natural for me to reach out to somebody and say, hi, um, I want to know more about this topic. Could I meet with you? Because I was taught you need mentors for everything, whether it's your personal life, mm. you know, you should have mentors as a creative around business and just how to run a business. And they don't necessarily have to be in the business, in the creative industry because there's yeah. a level of business that's just business yeah and then have mentors around creativity and things like how do I do personal projects how do I continue to grow as an artist so I always had mentors for every different part of my life yeah so when I got into photography um he he initially reached out to me on on I think it was Facebook or Instagram mm. and I was like Okay, yeah, I'd love to meet you because this, <laughs> this guy was like my icon for Kenyan photography. That's the But dream. even before then, <laughs> I had um, been approaching other people. So because I, I knew I'm really interested in, I was really interested in how do you make money in photography? And then how can I work as a photographer? But I know I don't want to shoot weddings. I know I don't want to do family pictures. Mm. I want to create things. And the closest thing I can think to in terms of creation is commercial photography. Mm. And so I began to talk to other people around commercial photography, which means you could be talking to art directors, producers. So they weren't necessarily only photographers. And I would just write them an email or a text message and say, hi, my name is Tandiwe. I'm an up and coming photographer. And I had some questions about work, the Kenyan photography industry. Um, please, could I take you for coffee at your convenience and ask some questions? Um, some don't respond, some do, but you only need a few to respond. And then because I was such a broke teenager, I would save all my pocket money to take them out for this one coffee, <laughs> but I'd come away with a wealth of information that really helped. Um, so a level of it is just courage. Identify people who are ahead of you or where you want to be and then reach out to them. And if they don't respond, then just look for somebody a level down. So maybe I wrote a photographer who is 10 years ahead in my journey. Let me try somebody who's five years ahead because they still know more than I know now. And then I think just, yeah, just saying clearly, I need help. I don't know if it's very unusual, but we don't have the habit of writing to somebody and just saying, I need help. I would love some wisdom from you. It, maybe it's very humbling, but it works. If you just say, I would love to learn from your experiences, most people won't refuse. I love that because it's such a simple strategy. Oftentimes, 
you know, it's just about sending an email and reaching out to that person. And perhaps the person will say, yes, let's meet. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's, it seems such a hard thing to do for many of us, right? Um, especially for artists. I have the, you know, through the experience of working with many artists in my coaching programs and in my, in my courses and stuff, um, I have come to realize that many of us fall in the category of introverts. So the, yes. the people skills of like going out there and making conversation or starting a conversation with someone is already very intimidating. So I think the, you know, by having you sharing this simple strategy is so encouraging because it's just about sending a message and trying out your luck. Perhaps it will say yes. And it's just about yeah. having a coffee with, with that person. I mean, and I, I totally feel when you say we're introverts. So I, yeah. it may sound like I went and sent 10 emails a day. No, sometimes I could only send one a month because <laughs> I just had such imposter syndrome. Yeah, yeah. But as long as you send something, it's better than nothing. Yeah. And it gets easier. Or have a friend write the template for you. I found sometimes it's really hard to write out um, emails like that. And so I yeah. will talk and say what I'm trying to say and have a friend type it out. And there, it's done you know? I love that. And tell me a little bit about, because you mentioned that, well, you had this, this mentor of yours that really introduced you to the world of commercial photography. So how was the, your path into making a living as a, as a photographer? Because I can imagine that at some point you're starting looking for your own clients and, you know, you know, putting yourself out there, trying to find your own opportunities as, an, as, a, as a photographer, right? So how were yeah. those first steps? What, what were the, the things and the strategies that you, you used to kind of gain more clients and build a client base? I think the first really important thing to say is it takes time. It, mm. I mean, I had the privilege of beginning really early. By 17, I had registered my business and I was trying to operate as a photographer. Oh. Um, wow. But I only started seeing my real clients, you know, later on, you know, five years, almost 10 years later on. But it takes time. Yeah. And part of that maybe is just getting experience, learning how the industry works, making networks. Mm. So time is a factor I can't take credit for. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, <clears throat> there's always several things I knew and I was committed to. Mm. Number one, I would always say to my assistant, um, I sell an experience whose byproduct is pictures mm. because photography is such an intimate experience. If I'm shooting portraits, if I'm shooting a wedding, even if I'm shooting an advert, you are in, you have, you're capturing somebody and interacting so in such an uncomfortable situation with them. It's hard to be in front of the camera. Many people remember how they felt in front of the camera before they remember the picture. Yeah. And so my big focus was always, how do people feel in front of my lens? Um, and one of the exercises I would do with myself or with my assistant was um, having our pictures taken and realizing for example, if you don't tell people what to do with their hands, it's really awkward. You know, even, even I wonder today, what do I do with my hands? Are they okay? <laughs> and so focusing on how people feel was really important. Yeah. Um, and then there's basic principles, delivering on time, which I didn't always do, but trying very hard to provide a good quality of service mm. because it's amazing how many people um, are brilliant at what they do, but the attitude with which they do it or just 
basic things don't come through. And if you hit the basics, you're already, you're already on a home run, I think. Yeah. The rest is just, you know, additions. Um, I think one of the other strategies I used was, and this took time to build, but not being afraid to tell people what I do. Mm. So initially when I started as a photographer, I would be like, hi, my name is Tandiwe. I'm a photographer, you know? <laughs> and over time I realized, you know, you need to be proud of what you do. And part yeah. of that was my experience here. It's not viewed as a real profession. Mm. It was kind of like, okay, she must have failed at being a doctor, lawyer, engineer. So I guess this is her plan, like F. So she's a photographer now, you know? Yeah. But being like, hi, I'm a photographer. This is what I do. Um, can help so that people think of you when they think, I need a photographer. Who did I meet? Oh, yeah, there was this lady called Tandiwe. Mm. I think beyond that is good branding. And it's in the simple things. So, for example, after I've told you I'm a photographer, is there somewhere you can go to see my work? Because, yes, I can show it to you on my phone, but will you remember? Yeah. Um, maybe I have a really difficult name on Instagram. So I, I need some place for you to be able to go and see my work. So have a business card or, you know, a QR code at this point and have a place people can go and enjoy viewing your work. And it should be a good user experience yeah so have you ever been on a website and it is so frustrating to use oh, yeah. and so even if the work is good i'm just kind of like i can't take any more of this i'm closing the tab <laughs> you know so make it easy for people to find your contact information mm. to look at your work to follow up about it have an, an email address that works basic things like that make such a huge difference at least in my context they did make such a huge difference just be easy for clients to find and then I think beyond that, one of my strategies was um, having unique work. Mm. And if you're a creative, your work is already unique. Half the time, the problem, at least for me, was finding the confidence to mm. show the unique style of my work and realizing that I don't have to be a photocopy of everybody else. But if I want colorful work, that's fine. I'll just attract clients who like colorful work. Yeah. So... A client who deals, you know, so maybe a law firm will never hire Tandiwe to do any work for them because my work is almost too playful, too colorful. But um, a soft drink company might be like, oh my gosh, your work is just perfect for our target audience. Yeah. You'll just attract the clients that are attracted to your style. So don't be afraid to have a style because there's enough clients to go around. You know, somebody else is thriving, photographing all the lawyers <laughs> and, and there's enough to go around. Yeah. Absolutely. And and these are so, you know, these, these are simple strategies, but also so valuable. And I see in the way, in the wording that you use also to, to speak about this, like you speak about customer experience and, um, you know, selling yourself or your branding. And it seems that these are all concepts that are have a lot to do with your education in um, in business, right? Because these are all concepts that I learned later on when I left art school and I, on my own, I tried to learn a little bit more about the business of illustration and art. Um, and it seems that you apply those in your own career as an artist. So it, you, you, you never lose time. You, you don't lose time in anything that you learn. You can always no. use it or apply it in, in whatever you're doing. Absolutely. And these are things I learned even before going to business school. That's amazing. Um, because it's, I just kept asking myself, what has frustrated me when mm. I try to work with somebody? It doesn't matter what field they're in. Yeah. And then try and put in place systems that remove those frustrations when people are dealing with me. Yeah. So 
one of the things, and some of them I learned the hard way. So for example, I learned it's always good to have a very simple contract to sign with your client, even if you're doing like family pictures, just something that's one page. Yeah. And I learned that because what happens when the client says, oh, you were supposed to deliver 20 pictures. And I'm thinking, no, I said 15. Yeah. And, and, and so if that happens, I'm like, okay, how do we solve this problem? And just yeah. kind of building on solutions mm. usually means you're heading in the right direction. If there's yeah. a problem, find a solution. You've probably solved something big. That's great. I want to move on to, you know, going from your experience as a commercial artist or a commercial photographer, uh, moving on to your, the work that you do as an artist and the work that you do with galleries. And because I know that this is something that many artists wonder about, like how do they, how do they land a, a solo exhibition in some gallery? And I know that you currently have uh, work or in exhibitions in, in, and if, if I'm not wrong, in two cities, in Venice um, and in London. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add the link to these two exhibitions on the show notes so that everyone can, um, can go check them out. But I would love for you to tell us first what, what these exhibitions are about. And second, how did you come to, you know, exhibit your work at galleries, um, if you can, if you want to share um, I would love to, because I think if anything, my story is an example of sometimes you don't have a plan, but things can work out. <laughs> um, so yeah, I have a show with now a gallery showing in London mm. and it's, it kind of, it's a group show mm. and it, it looks at, um, how several African artists comment on their culture and their struggles yeah. with their culture. Yeah. And then I have a show in Venice going on with the gallery that represents me, which is 193 Gallery. Mm. And it, again, is a group show called The Colors of Dreams. Mm. Oh, no, 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 no. I need to check that name. Oh, my gosh. It's I, think, I, think it's, I think it's The Colors of Dreams. It's the Colors I have, of Dreams. I have, yeah, it's The Colors of Dreams. Yeah, you're right. The Colors of Dreams. And um, it's by three, three artists who are represented by the gallery. And we all have colorful work. And one of them is absolutely my icons, Hassan Hajjaj. I have always loved his work and his color. Oh, yeah. So it, it brings us together in a very colorful way and explores just our commentary on our culture. Yeah. So the big question, how did I end up with a gallery? Yeah. Sometimes I wake up and I ask myself, how did I get here? Is this my life? <laughs> um, and I think before I even talk about how they found me, Mm. is to go back to develop a strong style. Mm. That's the one thing I got right that helped both my commercial career and my fine art career without even realizing that's what I was doing. Just yeah. developing a signature style and going deep into visually what is a Tandiwe image. Mm. And I can break it down, you know, it's color, it's pattern, it is usually an African subject, mm. and then it's very creative hair. And so that recipe appears in my images, you know, across the board. Yeah. Um, so I, I told you how I was creatively frustrated. This photographer told me to do personal work. Yeah. Well, camo series that it's short for camouflage is actually what got me into galleries. And that was the first piece of work I created for myself as personal work. Yeah. And the concept was simple. I said, I have the opportunity to do my own message. What do I want to speak about? And I thought, I'm a woman. I spend so much time photographing women. I have never heard a woman say, I love myself 100%. I think I'm perfect. I have never heard a woman say that to date. And so I thought, uh, I want to talk about 
beauty and just how women perceive themselves and how culture influences our perception of beauty. Yeah. Okay. So that's a subject matter. But then visually, what does that look like? And I thought I love color, so I want it to be colorful, but I'm kind of bored of a plain backdrop. So let me see what I can use as a really colorful backdrop. You know, and so I figured out fabrics and I kind of got the Tandiwe recipe going without realizing. That was in 2015. So I did that work, posted it on my Instagram because I didn't really post commercials on my Instagram because you can only look at so many commercials before getting bored. <laughs> and so I'd, I'd post mostly my personal work and my personal life on Instagram. Um, and life moves on. Tandiwe continues to shoot personal projects. She begins to grow her career in commercial photography and I get busier and busier. And then COVID. Mm. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Didn't plan for that. This, this is different. Yeah. And at this point, I did have a regular stream of commercial clients. And so it wasn't as devastating for my business as it could be for other artists. Mm. But it made me pause and re-examine myself and just... How am I doing in life? I think we all did. Am I fulfilled? Am I not? Yeah. Am I happy with my life? Um, and so I, I am on Instagram. At this point, I think I had like 8,000 followers. I had worked hard to get there from like 2014 or something. And I get this message from a gallery and they're like, hi, we're a gallery. Um, we're holding an exhibition about African artists and would love to speak with you about possibly showing some of your work. And I was like, is this a hoax? This is so weird. What do you mean gallery? I had no idea the fine art world existed because I was totally focused on commercial photography. Yeah. So, but then it's COVID. And so I thought the world's ending. Let me say yes. What's the worst that could happen beyond what's already happening? <laughs> Best yes I ever said in my life. <laughs> um, turns out they were a legitimate gallery, but I did, you know, I did reach out to, I looked at the website, reached out to other artists who they said they represented to ask, hey, are these guys legit? Um, and I got good feedback. And so I did the exhibition with them mm. and the work was well-received. And this is work I had shot in 2015. Yeah. Well-received. And, um, they came back later and said, actually, we, we would like to sign you on as one of our represented artists. And mm. that was the beginning of a really good relationship. Um, but some of the things I think that helped get me to that point, like mm. I said, strong work. And then secondly, once I began engaging with this gallery was just delivering on, on what I said I could mm. deliver. Same principle as before, just totally. quality of service. Yeah. But um, just, just being able to say, I can do this. I can give you two new works. One of the realities I have come to learn as being an, a fine artist is sometimes you need to create on demand. Mm. And so it's one of those things you have to ask yourself if you think you're interested in the root of fine art photography or, you know, being an artist, um, are you willing to make work when you are told you have to and by this deadline? For some people, mm. that just doesn't work. For some, it does. Yeah. And thankfully for me, my background in commercial photography helped me kind of ease into that reality a little easier. But yeah. So just to get an idea, a gallery will also guide you or give you some guidelines as a client does, a commercial client does in terms of like, hey, this, this might sell better or this, in, you know, if you go in this direction, it could work. It could appeal to this kind of clients or, um, or I, I wonder which kind of, you know, how, how that that collaboration works because I know that a gallery represents you, they sell your art, but they also know their market, you know, and this yeah. is also very valuable information for you in terms of like, hey, what, what is the people looking for? What, what do mm -hmm. they, where do they want to see your art in, in which mm -hmm. spaces, you know? And, and I think this, 
Um, I think it can be for some artists can be really challenging to accept that kind of feedback or that kind of input because it's like it's my yep. personal work. If I, I'm a sellout, if I'm trying to just yep. uh, please clients, right? I think it depends on the relationship you have with a gallery. A gallery yeah. shouldn't tell you produce this work this way because you're the artist and they mm. shouldn't interfere with the creative process. Mm. I think I meant it when the context they'll say, um, we have applied for your work to be shown in a fair six months from now. So six months from now, we will need three images. I see. And you need to make sure you give them the images on time and <laughs> yes. to the, you know, to quality. So it's not like six images I did the night before, but actually well thought out work. Yeah. Um, my experience has been because again, I, I had no experience in the, the art world, no photography training formally. Um, there's things they had to teach me like, oh, by the way, as an artist, you need to have a statement. So there's things I've learned along the way. Mm. And, and so our relationship has been one of much more closeness just because of the amount of information I needed to learn. Yeah. But I think again, on my end, that's just because I keep asking them, I want to grow, help me grow. What books can I read? Who can I talk to? Um, and constantly asking them, how do I find success in this industry? So almost having yeah. them mentor me through the process of establishing myself as an artist. Um, but in terms of the work I produce, no, that's completely you. That is what is close to your heart. Nobody should tell you what to produce. It just, they just might not take every, every image I take is not always selected by the mm. gallery. Ah, okay. Yeah. So that, that I actually, that answers my question or my next question was like, Hey, what, you know, how do you, where do you see the difference between commercial work and, or commission work and personal work, right? If, is there like a, is there something, one that you like better or is, is it, you, you know, your heart is one in one of them or you get, oh. you still get value from, from both of them. Yeah. That's like asking me to choose between my children. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think they, they fulfill different things. So mm. creating personal work is so fulfilling because again, it's what I want to say, how I want to say it. But commissioned work can be incredible because sometimes you're given the privilege to create work around a topic that is so close to your heart. Oh, and yeah. for me, I see it as an opportunity to contribute to a conversation that I wouldn't otherwise have had the chance to before. And so that's fulfilling in a completely different way. And then I still love commercial work, which sometimes I wonder, you know, is it strange that I love both worlds? But in commercial yeah. work, I feel like that's just a test of the science and how well I can work under pressure and how well I know my gear and how refined is my technical skill. And that is satisfying in a different way. Oh, I love that. You know, I wanted to touch shortly on what we were discussing or we were talking about before we started the podcast, which is that you are still living. Well, you know, one of, one of the questions that I normally ask my guests is um, why they relocated or where were the motivations behind it? Because many artists that I interview in this podcast, they either relocated cities or they moved um, cities at some point of their life to join a creative community or because they thought that they, you know, they were throwing themselves into a certain market um, that was, you know, um, that was prone to hire them for their work. But what I love about you is that, you know, or what I find really interesting about you is that you didn't relocate and you seem to take a lot from your environment to inform your work. And perhaps there's other reasons why you didn't relocate it. But what I wanted to 
go down with the, with this question or what I wanted to get to with this question is that I work with many artists that you know I work with I actually work as a as a as a coach as a, a coach for artists and creatives and I work with people from all over the world and I can see differences in the in terms of the markets in which they are working within right and many many of um of the members of my coaching programs they they talk about their struggles in terms of you know working for a local market and you know how you know perhaps some of them uh, complain about you know a local market that that is not willing to pay for their work and that they find limitations in terms of the work that they could do so i wanted to see how that played out for you you know um, being a um, a kenyan photographer still living in kenya in nairobi and how the market influenced your work um, and if you feel if you feel that that was a, a boundary that you had you had to go um, through or you had to deal with? I wouldn't speak from the point of authority that I've overcome that challenge. There mm. is reality to, realities to my decision to remain mm. in, in Kenya. Um, but I recognize for my personal work, I really like being close to my source of inspiration. And for me, that's a Kenyan people. And I don't think I can create work that is authentic Mm. to the community I'm trying to speak about if I don't live there. Um, yeah. Yes, I'm Kenyan, but, you know, being here gives you a daily interaction with the community in a, in a way you just can't quite get. Yeah. Um, but there's a second reason why I think I really want to stay is just my own journey. And as much as possible, I want to be based here, but because I want to remain accessible to any up-and-coming Kenyan photographers mm. because I'm here because somebody took the chance to mentor me. But no. if I leave, I leave with all my experience and my education yeah. and I don't pass it on to the next generation. And I'm biased. I want the world to be full of amazing Kenyan photographers because <laughs> they exist. They just need a little exposure to like the business of photography, for example. Um, but there are consequences to that decision. So number one um, is the reality that anytime I'm commissioned, I have to get a visa. And that is very difficult yeah. sometimes with a Kenyan passport. Yeah. Um, and, and so I could lose jobs just because I can't get a visa or an embassy appointment fast enough. Whereas mm -hmm. if I lived somewhere that was like more accessible globally, like New York, for example, mm -hmm. it, I might be able to take on a lot more, um, commissions or jobs than I'm currently taking on. Yeah. Um, the other reality is it means that I have to travel a lot. So I spend a lot of time outside of Kenya, but I always come home. Yeah. But then it just means anytime I do get a commission, you know, you're going out and then coming back in. Whereas if I think I lived somewhere more central, I could just go to work and drive back home. You yeah. Know? Um, and there's differences in, in, in the rates that are charged in Kenya versus other regions. And, and so that's something to contend with. Yeah. But I think the ways of getting around this is number one, having a good um, team. So my gallery is based out of Paris. Mm. And so they've helped me circumvent some of the issues that I, I, you know, will have to deal with around choosing to stay in Kenya for now. Yeah. And then I also have an amazing agent who is based out of London. And yeah. so because he understands the dynamics of how things work um, in my context or where I'm staying, 
he knows maybe we can't take a job where they want me to shoot tomorrow. But mm -hmm. if they come and they have good timelines, then it means I can, you know, go to the embassy, get a visa and then go for the job. Yeah. Um, but there are consequences to the decision. And I think it has to some level slow down my career progression rather than moving. But for now, I feel like this is the right place to be. That may change, but as much as possible, I would love to keep bringing back everything I'm learning because we need it here. Yeah, and so it also seems that that you have opened up to a bigger market or a wider market that doesn't necessarily need to be the local market in which you are living in, right? And as you said, you get you get so much value from living there and having that inspiration and contributing to that to that, um, you know, to, to, to the people and uh, the, you know, contributing to your community that, you know, it, it just pays back, right? Um, I wanted to ask you, what are the ways in which you feel that you are passing this forward to other artists? Because I, I read on your website that you, that you impart workshops and is this something that other people can access from different places of the world or how, how does that work for you? For now, I try and do them in person yeah. um, for photographers based here. Mm. Um, but I, yes, I'm passionate about teaching workshops and just, and just, I think photography is so practical. Yeah. I, to teach myself, I read a lot of books. Um, it can get really dry at some point. And it's yeah. really nice to interact with other creatives and just have hands-on experience. And so in these workshops, we will, you know, actually have a model or a subject and yeah. everybody will photograph them because It's just a skill that you need to practically practice, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I deal a lot with um, photographers who are just starting out because yeah. I really want to encourage them to, you know, find their feet in photography and then hopefully go on on their merry way in their journey. And I can imagine, just as a mean of wrapping up the the show today, I have so many things to talk to you about, uh, but. You know, we, we, we have come to the end of the show and I want to ask you, you know, you work with so many artists and you're in touch with so many photographers. And of course, you have had your own path into photography through mentorship and through interacting with other photographers that show you the way into this industry. Right. But there's a current perception. And I think through social media and the boom of the Internet in the last 10 years that there's the this current perceptions, the perception that many artists have that, you know, as they come new to this industry, they feel that the market is oversaturated and there's too many of us out there. And I wanted to hear from you, like, what, what are the, you know, what would you say to someone who is starting new in the market of photography or in, in as an artist in any industry um, when they you know, when they have this feeling of like, hey, there's no room for me. I think there's room for everyone right off the bat. Let's say that. Um, but it's about finding your niche market and playing to your strengths. Mm. What do I mean by that? There is somebody who to them, your artwork is exactly what they're looking for. And the challenge is to find them. Mm. Your art is good enough already. Um, and then play to your strengths. So When I look back, I'm not surprised I ended up in commercial photography because I am passionate about systems. I am passionate about efficiency, perfection. So maybe I wouldn't thrive in wedding photography, mm. which I did for a season because it was an easier market to penetrate. But it's so emotional and fluid. Mm. Yes, I could create good images, but am I giving myself the best leverage to win? Probably mm. not. 
but commercial sets, it's all about how fast can we move to keep time. Those are things I'm good at. And so Mm. I have a better chance of thriving in that industry. Mm. So really ask yourself beyond your, your, your artwork, which is perfect as an individual, what is your strengths? What are your giftings? Mm. And then find the field that kind of merges those two things. And I mean, let's let's face it living as a creative has its challenges so it will still be hard but hopefully it will be more enjoyable as you go through the journey um because there's room for everybody it's just about finding the right fit i love that anyway and to wrap up i always play a little game with my guest the call the game is called finish the sentence so i basically (laughs) start a sentence and you finish it all right yeah are you in for it let's do this (laughs) okay So I'm freaking excellent at tidying up. (laughs) I'm terrible at cold calls. Oh, (laughs) I can relate. When when I grow up, I'm going to have a really big garden. (laughs) My friends always laugh at me because I hang my clothes according to color. Systems, systems, systems. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't live without. Oh, my family. Oh, if I wouldn't be doing this for a living, I would be an interior designer for sure. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show to, today, Tandiwe. And where can people find you? Uh, on Instagram, I am Tandiwe underscore Moreo. I love receiving messages on Instagram and comments. So please, if you have any questions after this podcast, I would be delighted to have a follow-up conversation with you. And I have a website, tandywebureau.com. Amazing. I will add all of this to the to the show notes so that people can find you. And I appreciate so much for you taking the time to chat with me today and to, to share all this wealth of knowledge that you have shared. Um, I'm sure that all the artists and creatives that listen to this show will really benefit from from these insights which are really gold and all of what we were saying before that all of this information all these insights are not so easy to find out there and i i really appreciate when someone like you comes on the show and just openly shares you know the deeds i love it thank you for having me and i think it's i really want people to be confident to try and take a chance it may work Mm. it may not but Mm. I really want them to be able to say I was brave enough to try. And the truth is we don't have it all figured out. Even I'm still figuring out things as your journey moves on. So we're all in this together. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much again, Tandiwe. Thank you everybody for listening to the show and see you on the next episode of Open Studio. Bye-bye. So this is it. I hope you loved this episode. You can find me, the host of the show, on social networks at Martina Flor on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you have a question or comments, go to martinaflor.com slash podcast, where you can see previous episodes, find show notes, and send voice memos with your comments and questions. You can also watch these episodes on YouTube. Just go to martinaflor.com slash YouTube to find them. You can, of course, listen to all our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. If you loved this episode, subscribe to this podcast. And if you leave us a review, it will help others find us. Thank you all for listening and see you in the next episode of Martina Flores Open Studio. Bye-bye.